What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor Guerra. Will, Hurricane Ian, already starved for attention. If you hear <laughs> rain in the background of this, no big deal. We're just trying to record a podcast on a Wednesday morning with a hurricane on the way. Uh, we already found out South Carolina State at South Carolina being moved to Thursday, Florida hosting Eastern Washington now on Sunday, and I'm sure we're going to have more things shuffled. But if at any point during this podcast, it just get taken away by a hurricane, we'll, you'll just you'll take it away, right? Yeah, I'll just I'll just uncork it, start slandering anybody that can think about till I can kind of retrieve you from the water and then we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, in all seriousness, uh, recording this on Wednesday morning, like I said, we're expecting to have a very interesting couple days in my neck of the woods here in orlando the entire state of florida it's just like man you you search your where if you live in florida and you've searched your your town's name it's been really really grim um Mm -hmm. some of those weather reports fingers crossed that we don't lose power have any major damage to our home stay safe everyone who is hunkering down maybe you're listening to this while you're hunkering down appreciate that very much we do have five SEC games to break down. RG3 is going to join us in a bit. Plus, we'll talk some disaster prep in figuring out. But before we do that, well, let's take some, let's take a quick timeout. I know we haven't even really got started yet, but we're taking a quick timeout already to talk about one of my favorite things in this world. That is Texas Pete. Texas Pete has the spice and flavor that's kicking this football season up a notch. If you haven't tried the original Texas Pete hot sauce, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or Go out and try their new traditional barbecue sauce. Run, don't walk to grab yourself a bottle today. Visit texaspeat.com for recipes and hot apparel, plus take 20% off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South. That is all one word, all caps, Saturday Down South. Win big with Texas Pete when you sauce like you mean it. Great slate in the SEC this week. It's condensed, but it is awesome. I feel like every single game, I'm very fired up to be able to watch the SEC on SEC competition. Let's start mm-hmm. with number seven, Kentucky. What a, what a thought. Number seven, Kentucky on the road. Number 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a six and a half point favorite. Will, the over-under, I have 15 scrimmage touches for Chris Rodriguez. Our guy, mm-hmm. C-Rod. He's back, C-Rod. folks. He is back. Four game suspension. By the way, I, I don't know that we addressed what the suspension was on these airwaves because it wasn't just it wasn't the DUI. Uh, Herald Leader uh, reported that C Rod and Jordan Wright were both suspended for essentially having bogus time cards at UK mm-hmm. Health, a program that they've been a part of since I believe 2017, pre NIL type stuff as well. Not sure why Wright only got one game. C Rod C Rod had the I said C Wright. <laughs> Shout out to C Wright. C Wright uh, furious about these bad time cards. C Wright living living down in Clearwater right now, man. Rough rough times uh, in, in his neck of the woods. Hope that he is doing all right. But C Rod had the four game suspension. Uh, we all know now that the good thing for Kentucky is that C-Rod is back for Ole Miss and Kentucky needs him badly. Kentucky run game is never going to be a group this year that resembled what we saw in the previous scheme. I, I would say it's not really built for that. And part of that is talent, but a lot of it is, is truly scheme. The big blue wall is not built to be the dominant force that we've come to expect. And C-Rod's return isn't suddenly going to make Kentucky's offensive line one of the best groups in the country. It's been bad, though, through four games, only one of which was against real competition. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're going to be just thinking to yourself, oh, man, this is this is fantastic when you hear these numbers with how bad Kentucky's ground game has been. Kentucky, their ground game ranks 
dead last in the SEC with 2.41 yards per carry. They're last in the SEC in rushing touchdowns. As Peter Burns pointed out, they have as many rushing touchdowns as Brock Bowers. Tight end, Man. Brock Bowers. Yeah, that tells you a lot about where they're mm-hmm. at. Kentucky is last in the SEC in 10-yard carries. They only have nine of those through four games. Not great. They're last in the SEC in 30-yard carries. They have zero through four games. And they're number 13 in the SEC in rushing yards per game. And why aren't they last? Well, they're ahead of Mississippi State by one stinking yard. That's right. <laughs> the air raid team. You know, when you're beating Mississippi State by one yard in rushing, not a great place to be, I feel. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yep. Not great. Uh, yeah. But that's that's been the story so far for this Kentucky team who has got off to this great 4-0 start. But as Mark Stoops has has admitted, they have things that they need to be able to improve on. And the problem isn't just the offensive line. The loss of Ramon Jefferson was big. And Cavassier Smoke, to his credit, 5.2 yards per carry. You'll take that. He's a complimentary player. He's not C-Rod. Mm-hmm. He's just not. Where this can impact this game in Kentucky moving forward is very obvious. Kentucky wants to be that play-action heavy team. They want some threat of balance, even if they aren't all the way there. Even if it's more 60-40 than 50-50, they at least need that threat of balance, which they don't have right now. You need several defenders to take down C-Rod. He forces you to defend that offense differently. It's as simple as that. His ability to get yards after first contact, will second to none. We know Mm -hmm. that. He is a machine. Entering this year, nobody in the SEC did that better than C-Rod the last two years. What helps a struggling offensive line? Having a running back who can break tackles. What helps a quarterback who's getting killed because his team doesn't have a threat of a running game? Having a running back who has nearly 3,000 career rushing yards. What helps an offense that ranks dead last in the SEC in red zone touchdown percentage? Having a running back who has 27 career rushing touchdowns, albeit with the fumbling issues that he dealt with last year. You get it, C-Rod. Mm-hmm. He is not a dime a dozen running back. He know that. You know that. We've been we've been saying that for a long time on this podcast that he is just different. The question is, what will the workload look like? How efficient will he be against Ole Miss? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to admit something here that I don't normally admit on any public airwaves. I really do not say this. I've watched Ole Miss. I was pretty locked okay. in. Against, that's not my admission. <laughs> that's not my admission. I was locked in against Tulsa. I was, I was streaming that game while I had Florida, Tennessee on the main TV, of course. I have no idea what the Ole Miss trajectory is. I don't. Yeah. I pride myself on – I don't pride myself on being able to accurately predict games. And I know that's going to come as like some shock of, oh, my gosh, you're not Nostradamus. No, if I was, I, I would gamble all the time, and I'd be able to make money, and I'd have some sort of insight on it. That, that's not my skill set. That's not my forte. It never has been, never will be. It is so hard to predict results in this sport. I pride myself on feeling like I understand a team's strengths and weaknesses while also having some context about what fans are saying about the team because I do think in most cases that matters coming from the people that have that emotional investment, and that's why I take that into account. Mm-hmm. But I truly, I truly do not know what to make of Ole Miss, and here's why. 30 new faces on the roster. Mm -hmm. New starting quarterback. Two new coordinators. Not a team that necessarily has some nine-win floor, and Lane hasn't necessarily stayed long enough at a Power 5 job for us to feel like we can have some sort of gauge or be able to compare this to years past. And if you're comparing this to what he did at FAU, I would say I, it's a little bit different, you know, year three in the SEC versus year three at FAU, just a little mm-hmm. bit. On top of that, 
the competition that Ole Miss has faced so far, two group of five teams who have one win apiece against FBS competition, an FCS team, and a Georgia Tech team who already fired its coach. <laughs> it's funny because you look up now, it's like Georgia Tech might be the worst team they played. I mean, no no disrespect to Central Arkansas, but nah. these are two. Troy and Tulsa are two teams that we respect a lot coming out of the group of five. You look at Georgia Tech and the way they skunk them, and it's like, Huh. <laughs> Which one of these is closer to the truth? So that's that's kind of the wild thing, though. I'm admitting full well that I have watched Ole Miss, and I, I still don't fully know what they're going to become. And I don't even know that Lane knows, to be 100% honest with you. Yeah. I'm pretty – Vegas, though, here's the weird thing. And, and I've seen a lot of people talking about this popular topic of discussion. That's why we bring up the spreads talking about these games. Vegas seems very sure of where Ole Miss is. Mm-hmm. Six-and-a-half-point favorite. They have all these injury questions as well. I mean, some really key injuries. Listen to the the group of guys for Ole Miss that are questionable going into this game. We don't know as of Wednesday Mm -hmm. morning what their status is going to be. Their best pass rusher, Kari Coleman. Their most proven running back, Zach Evans. Their other stud transfer running back, Ulysses Bentley. They're the talented receiver that they got from UCF, Jalen Robinson, who almost had that Mm -hmm. 1,000-yard receiving uh, 1,000-yard season a couple years ago. They're starting nose tackle and member of all bang the drum team, JJ Pegues, one of our favorite Pegues. players in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Those are some pretty important pieces right there. And the odds makers are saying, nah, six and a half point favorite. We're still going to stick with that. Maybe, maybe they are banking on Kentucky being 0-6 in SEC West road games in the last five years. Maybe mm-hmm. that could have something to do with it. That's why I'm picking Ole Miss to win, but not cover. And honestly, I don't feel great about it. I really don't. This is a very unique top 15 matchup. Our guy Matt Hayes wrote this. He said the winner of this game could go into November undefeated and the loser is exposed. I'll put <laughs> it's that already exposed season, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's for, for some, that's how it's going to feel. Like the loser of this game will have people – that drop them out entirely of the eight people. Like, get ready for that. That that's happening. I mean, if Kentucky loses this game, no one's dropping them out of the eight people, right? Oh, because they will. You th- from seven, because no, the way that Kentucky's ranking is structured is based on a lot of other things in my mind. Because they beat Florida convincingly, and Florida beat Utah, and Utah is still inside the top fifteen. So I know that's a lot of things to think about, but I think that weirdly. If you drop Kentucky down, you have to drop all these other teams. Well, okay, so let me let me clean that up. Let me clean that up here because I'm not saying Kentucky is going to fall out of the top 25 with a loss. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying there will be voters among those 63 AP voters. Oh, AP I see what you're saying. Someone say, will leave them unranked. Yes, okay. there will be a at least a handful of people that say, ah, you know what? Kentucky's win against Florida doesn't look as good anymore because they've got the two losses and we're just going to drop them out entirely. And that will be if if Kentucky loses this game, if it's, you know, they lose by 21 or lose by 14, whatever the case may be, I could see that scenario happening. Here's what I was thinking about, too, as well this week. It's kind of crazy to think that Kentucky is number seven in the country in September with just one SEC game under their belt. I mean, mm-hmm. that is a testament to Mark Stoops that he actually has enough AP voters believing at least somewhat in his team, even if there's some skepticism and it's really difficult to kind of go like, you know, six through 15 with some of these rankings, the way that it looks right now, it's kind of a mess. Um, But to at least have those voters believing in his team more than anyone has since when will, when, what's the reference point with Kentucky? The Jimmy Carter administration. Of course, of course. The last time, the last time that Kentucky earned a top 10 ranking in September was 
Oh gosh. Was it the was it the 70s? You're close. You're close. It wasn't actually it wasn't the Jimmy Carter administration. It was 1965, which was the Lyndon B. Johnson oh, administration. Of course, Lyndon B. Johnson. Yes. Who could forget? Who if could Ken- forget? If Kentucky wins, that would be road wins at Florida and at Ole Miss. Right. So if that happens, Kentucky could sneak into the top five for the first time since 1964. Still the Lyndon B. Johnson administration. But yeah, they get time it. for them. Yeah. Huge time, huge time, huge opportunity for Kentucky. But there's something that just kind of is giving me pause. If this yeah. were a coin flip spread, I think I'd probably pick Kentucky. But seeing that six yeah. and a half line, I'm like, maybe they're seeing something that I, and look, I, I recognize that that the Ole Miss ground game is really, really good. It's been it's been excellent so far, but they've been a, a roller coaster from quarter to quarter. I think defensively, a lot of those numbers, you can kind of poke holes in them, even though they've been better post-DJ Durkin than I thought they were going to be. It's still like, all right, well, what offenses have they faced? That's actually going to test them because this Kentucky offense is way better than any offense that they've seen so far. And that includes a Tulsa offense that had the number one passing offense in the country. I'm going in circles here because <laughs> I'm just – trying to figure this team out and all i want to know is who is so, Ole miss let me let me ask you this question uh so we talked about injuries and that obviously is a big deal but let, just based on what you've seen on tape how do you feel about old miss's front seven uh decent decent mm-hmm. and uh, i thought the loss of chance campbell was going to be really significant because that dude mm-hmm. was everywhere there there are NFL, very... nfl roster spot haver chance campbell he went well, he was a day like a late day three guy. And I remember thinking, what what am I not seeing here? Because that yeah. guy's all over the field. He yeah, was he's been good. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was huge. And I thought they were gonna have some issues up front. JJ Pegues, when he's been on the field, has been good for that team so far. And I still am kind of questioning, like, all right, what what do we really think of this team though when they've had favorable game script as well? And right. part of that is because of their doing and you know. Having somebody, I, I think AJ Finley has been phenomenal for that group in the in the back end. But I just kind of wonder, like, all right, well, what's what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like against teams that can stay on the field, can convert third downs, and right. don't look very overmatched from an offensive standpoint? So again, like that's that's a non-answer because that's truly how I feel. <laughs> so it's almost like, I mean, I'm in exactly the same place that you are, which is that the only thing that's an outlier is the spread, right? Because you look at two different directions. You have a team in Kentucky that is starting to get the benefit of the doubt from the polls. They have this convincing one over Florida. They're in the top 10. People are starting to believe in Mark Stoops, right? And then on the other side, you have Ole Miss, which is behind two Pac-12 teams with losses <laughs> as an undefeated SEC team. In the polls... They're not getting a lot of love because nobody respects the resume. We're Tulsa respecters, but not a lot of people are. And you see the way they've won these games has not been convincing. And so to your point, if this game was a pick them, you would pick Kentucky. I I do tend to like, it's, it's hard with that much of a spread, man, because the, the thing that we're scared of ultimately, like I'm not even being mean, but this is what it is. We're just scared. The, the, the spread makers, the odds makers are scared of Mark Stoops just kind of puking on his shoes. Cause he's done that in the past because nothing other than that, would explain what this spread is. And really, so that's the only question. Yeah. It's, it's To me, it's two things. It's can the Ole Miss pass rush take over this game? Because we know what Mark Scripps winning game script, Mark, Mark Stoops, Stoops winning game yeah. script, Mark Stoops winning game script is. It's impounding the ball on the road, getting both of those dynamic running backs involved, doing some stuff up a play action with that, that the new like style that they have coming from the NFL. We can see that win. But on the other side, it's very easy to see the crowd noise starting to pump up, a fumble here or there, 
and just Kentucky imploding into itself as we've seen before. So let's delete all that and just say, do you think this is the year that Mark Stoops finally breaks through? Because that's the only question that we got to answer. Just so I'm clear, if you're saying breaks through, you're talking about wins this game because this game in the past, he's lost for no reason before. Yeah, I I'm, I'm picking Ole Miss to win. So I guess I'm yeah. saying no, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be some lopsided. You know, I, I thought last year and the game that you're referencing and probably that's most similar to this is the game that was also in the state of Mississippi and what they <laughs> did against Mississippi State, which was ask a Kentucky fan about the way that game went. It was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. And so Kentucky can have these stinkers even when they're historically good. Go back to 2018 when they went on the road to Tennessee and they just got shellacked. I mean, it was ugly. So mm-hmm. Is that possible? There's a, Yes, there's absolutely a world in which we look up and we're like, when Sean Judkins ran for 175 yards, this ground game that Ole Miss has that we knew was like the, the only thing that we were sure about took over this game. Will Levis forced throws. He got sacked five times. And we look up and we're like, yeah, Ole Miss legit, top 10 team. And right. I guess we got to recalibrate our expectations of what we think Ole Miss is, is capable of. That scenario definitely exists. I So to put a bow on all of that, Oh gosh, I, I think I'm gonna go ahead and pick Kentucky. I think oh, that if they were ever going to win this kind of game, it would be this. Because to your point, there are all these injuries. This is not a well-proven Ole Miss team. This is a team that just got a new quarterback coming in this offseason that has had a quarterback competition as recently as well, like last week. Like they have been rotating. Finally named the starter. Finally named Jackson. No, Jack right. It's yeah. like why am I thinking so hard about this? Like we're Mark Stoops believers, but every like you're right. The data says this could be a puke on the shoes game. I'm gonna say he goes up. Goes up. Handles business. All the momentum is going his way, man. He needs to win this game. He has to win this game, in my opinion, because Kentucky has done so much with Kentucky and brought them to where they never thought, we never thought they could. This is how you get into that next echelon where we really start talking to you about a serious team. You know what I'm saying? I I think he's got this one. And and also massive for Ole Miss with what awaits in November. That November schedule is brutal. This is is one that if you want to be in that New Year's Six Bowl conversation, this is the one that you got to have. Other ranked matchup in the SEC. Again, I told you this slate was really, really good. Number two, Alabama. 17-point favorite traveling to face number 20, Arkansas. The over-under I have is one and a half Drew Sanders sacks. We got a revenge game. You know I love a good revenge game. It's going to oh, be yeah. fun. Listen, every game is a revenge game for Nick Saban. That's true. And At every some game, point, somebody said something around this team. Even though Arkansas this team has never beaten Nick Saban, but this is a revenge game. Exactly, right? So, like, this is this actually isn't the revenge game for, for Saban in, in any real way. I mean, I guess <laughs> staying within a touchdown of them last year, that right. offended him. Uh, we'll, we'll get to more of that in just a sec. I, I think Bama fans knew that there was at least a possibility that going into this game, they could look up and be like, oh man, Drew Sanders leaving country in sacks. That's what he's doing right now. Five and a half Mm -hmm. sacks so far. That's reality. And also reality is that while Arkansas doesn't necessarily get the week of hype that it could have had with an A&M victory, it still has a good chance to have a chance. Here's what I mean by that. That's right. They have a chance to have a chance. Yeah. I know what that spread is. I also know that dating back to the start of last season, Alabama's had five true road games and four of them were decided by three points or less. Let me back up. Since the start of last season, Alabama, five true road games, four of them decided by three points or less. And of course, that includes Texas. 
Yep. Alabama's lone blowout in a true road game since the start of last year was Mississippi State. Yep. But other than that, just a little refresher, one-point win at Texas, four-overtime win at Auburn, three-point loss at AM, two-point win at Florida. Mm-hmm. So why might that, that was the uh, the old CU in Atlanta game for Dan Mullen? Who could forget? Uh, yes. Uh, wait. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With with people saying like, oh, now now Florida is going to be able to beat <laughs> yeah. Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Um. So why why is that the case? Why is Alabama? I I do not like using this phrase, but it seems appropriate in these senses when when we have the context of the spread and what it what's been in this in these games. Why has Alabama played down to its competition? And why has Alabama been very unsaban like on the road? Penalties, penalties, mm-hmm. penalties, penalties. How far on did average. your jaw drop when Will Anderson got that penalty that saved his drive against Texas? <laughs> we talked about that in the recap pod, and I thought it was one of those things where Will Anderson was already forgetting that he wasn't in, like he forgot that he wasn't in the NFL yet. Like right. th- that the ball carrier was, I think it was Bijan that, that was yeah, down, yeah, yeah. and he just, Bijan just gets up and Will Anderson pushes him down as if to say, Oh crap, this He's is down. the NFL. Yeah. You're already down. It was one of those, it was one of those weird plays. And that was a very costly play in that game. Will Anderson was had the the neutral zone infractions. And he was he was part of the reason why Alabama looks so undisciplined in those five true road games. Mm-hmm. They have averaged 10.2 penalties for 89.2 yards. That's incredible. That's a ton. Fayetteville is going to be rocking on Saturday. It absolutely will. Against those Arkansas pass rushers, that Alabama offensive line going to need A-plus communication because I bet they're going to be antsy. Barry Odom is going to want to send a ton of pressure because that's probably their best chance to be able to neutralize Bryce Young, at least in some way, shape, or form. Of course, there's the flip side. That Arkansas offensive line can have all the home field advantage in the world, but defending Will Anderson with you and tens of thousands of your closest friends would probably still suck. <laughs> grab, put, grab your best 10 buddies. We're stopping Will Anderson. <laughs> Good luck. You know when you see those videos of, hey, let's try and see if we can return one serve from Rafa or, yep. oh, let's see if we can stop this goal from Messi or something like that. That's mm-hmm. essentially what you try and do to contain Will Anderson. Um, this quote from Charlie Potter did you, did you see the Will Anderson quote that made yep. the rounds? It's incredible. Yep. So if you haven't seen it, uh, Will Anderson was asked uh, about if he considers himself to be hateful on the field. <laughs> Which love, love that framing of a question. People need to ask more questions. Like, is there hate in your heart, Seth? I, you know what? I, I agree because there's there's just something to be said for the amount of hate one has to be able to, to muster to be able to play this very violent sport. And Will Anderson said, yeah, I do. I tell people all the time that the audacity for the other team to even step on the field is disrespectful to me. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I love that. God, I love him. Just just take him one. Just take him one. Looks like the Saints will have a first draft pick, so let's just line it up, Will Anderson. <laughs> just let's do it. Let's make it happen. Nobody is on his level in college, even on his own team. I remember the spring game. Of course, they couldn't play that spring game with Will Anderson still on the field. They had to take him off. <laughs> I w- I, here's what I, we need to see with now this quote out there. And I get we couldn't have this until uh, we couldn't have this until Cupcake Week. Cake Week, of course. I would love to see an FCS team just walk onto the field at the start of the game, shake Will Anderson's hand, and walk off. Just, <laughs> just protest. <laughs> yeah. they, they say afterwards, yep, 
with respect to Will Anderson, we decided to just thank him for his service, collect our check, and head back on our way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be Didn't want to be disrespectful. Honestly. Yeah. Respect the king. Arkansas won't do that. They won't do yeah. that. Arkansas will try to disrespect Anderson, or at the very least, they're going to try and neutralize him as much as possible. They need balance in this one. You do not want Anderson and Dallas Turner pinning their ears back and anticipating every single play. You cannot be one-dimensional against Alabama. But if you have some sort of balance, you can at least get those all-important edge guys guessing on the RPOs. You need that if you're Kendall Bryles. I think Bama would like to be able to establish some balance as well. We know that Arkansas can be had on the back end of that defense when they don't get home. That looked much better against AM. How much of that was Miles Slusher's return and Barry Odom's adjustments compared to AM just not having a downfield passing attack? I don't know. I do know that Bama. Let me pause you. Let me pause you right there, real quick, because that's actually the first thing I was going to hit on. So. I think that we've watched enough SEC. Like, it's very maddening to me. We talked about this a little bit during Florida, Tennessee, where it's like, why do they keep, why does Tennessee keep running the ball? Florida's DBs are not in this game. I don't know why they keep banging into this, into this wall. The thing that ruins me, the thing that worries me about this game for Arkansas is that Nick Saban doesn't make those mistakes. Hopefully, Bill O'Brien doesn't make those mistakes at this point in his career. But my question for you is, has the Arkansas pass defense shown enough to where if, Alabama's game plan is just, look, we're going to throw the ball 35, 40 times with Bryce Young and make those DBs play. Do you think they made enough progress last week to be able to handle that in, in a way that could stop the floodgates? Or do you think that was a lot of AM just not knowing how to play offense? <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think, well, that, that's my point is like, I, I don't think we'll know until this game. That, yep. That's that, yep. that's what I think is the case. I think this game will be a great indicator. If you present, mm-hmm. if you prevent Alabama from being able to make downfield plays with Bryce Young, who was better at that than anybody in the country last year, I'll be mm-hmm. with Jameson Williams and John Mechie. I think that says, okay, you've made those defensive strides. There are still other ways in which Alabama can beat you though. And that's, Oh yeah. That's no, we're difficult. talking not even being mean. That's the blowout scenario. The blowout scenario yes. is the dudes are just running wide open. And like you've seen the the ball getting dropped right in the bread basket. Dudes trotting in for the touchdown. If they can, if they got to stop that to have a chance to stop Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Alabama's lone passing play of 40 yards came last week. Bama basically mm-hmm. ran, and I went I went back and watched this. Bama basically ran two vertical routes. Vandy had three defenders sitting flat-footed as two different Bama receivers ran past them. You want to yes. know how that turned out? It turned out with Jermaine Burton catching a long pass, and credit to him, getting open downfield, being able to play against zone coverage, that thing that we talked about last week that was important for his game that he's still figuring out. Jermaine Burton looked much better against Vandy. A little bit of a different story, even though Arkansas had those struggles in the secondary, it's going to be different against that defense. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that Bama's deep passing game issues are suddenly fixed, and that's weird to even say. We don't know if Tyler Harrell is going to be back. We haven't had an official update on his status. I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that it's a given that Bama all of a sudden fixes that, especially if Arkansas gets into the backfield early and all of a sudden Bama is saying, we need these quick hitting passes. We're going to try and get you on the edges. We don't want Bryce Young just as a sitting duck back there for Drew Sanders, Jordan Dominic, Zach Williams, those pass rushers. So you can tell kind of where I'm leading with, with the prediction mm-hmm. for this one. I don't think it's a blowout. I just don't. I don't mm-hmm. think that minus 17 is – and I'm. this is going to come back to bite me. I know it's going to. And Vegas knows something that I don't. I don't think that a, a, a game like this gets too out of hand. I do think it's more likely a one-score game where in Arkansas, like I said, has a chance. But I think the difference isn't the downfield passing attack. I think it's Jameer Gibbs. 
And I think mm-hmm. it's defending him for 60 minutes is a really difficult thing to do because you can feel like you have a game plan for him and you can feel like, ah, you know, we know exactly what we're doing to be able to, to shut down the run, but you could just get him involved in so many different ways. And I think he makes a couple of plays late where Bama fans fire up the Billy Madison gift that I use every single time a transfer does anything of significance. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. That's <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun, fun fact. Um, Steve Buscemi is the guy that Billy Madison, like his character. Yeah, the crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the the gif of, hello, my fellow kids. Like that's also Steve Buscemi. That so, like, is him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two, two of the best gif memes, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, involve Steve Buscemi. Uh, I feel like once again in one of these thrillers, though, Bama's going to find a way. And Arkansas is going to let a golden opportunity slip away. I have this one mm-hmm. ending, Bama winning 35 to 28. But Arkansas has a chance, to has a chance against a team that has been playing with fire way more than a lot of people realize. <laughs> now you see what I got out ahead of your point, because I think we're almost completely aligned on this. So game script number one is Arkansas does not figure out how to stop downfield passing. And this is the good right, the get right game for Bama where they just get out there and just are playing pitch and catch like the two a days. Now, if Arkansas is smart, that's the first thing they're going to try to stop because we've seen Bryce Young when that, those those aren't open start to tense up. And it's like their first option is you want to hit guys down the field if they're running wide open. The second option is the Jameer Gibbs show, which is a great option. It's a great option. But if you're Arkansas, you would much rather take that than the Bryce Young show. The Bryce yeah. Young show. Because the Bryce Young show is him making guys miss – him extending plays and then boom, you got a former four-star receiver who's been had Saban in his ear for four weeks talking about he's never open. Yeah. And now he's like, oh my gosh, I can finally like have some water in practice. This is amazing. <laughs> there are so many points that like these guys are trying to kind of get on the same page. And like I said, it's not Saban's fault. It's I think that this it, you know, your stat about the, the road games is so interesting because going into almost all of those games, I'm really trying to think about the game that we weren't super gung-ho about Bama and thinking because they're all against not great teams it was teams that had none of those teams had a winning record in in conference play last year and and I'm not even being mean like seeing the Mike Leach offense kind of like falter in person that offense is almost never going to work against Nick Saban I'm just going to be honest because it's so one-dimensional exactly as a defensive guy I, I love Mike Leach and I think that that pretty much shows me that like okay their ceiling right now is kind of second in the west because if you have that many passing snaps against Nick Saban something's gonna go not your way but anyway so in my in my mind you take that out and you have these other four games where teams are running standard offenses and it's like how did these games go sideways well it's a little bit of what you're we're exactly what we're talking about it's their first second options didn't really work now they have a guy like Gibbs who is perfect for that style of football that's going to help them win those close games. But if you're Arkansas, like I said, you'd much rather have a bunch of angle routes, have a bunch of screen passes, have a bunch of like stuff behind the line of scrimmage that you have a chance to clean up six, seven yards down the field. Then, you know, Burton suddenly looking like a five-star and looking like, oh, all the haters at Georgia were wrong. So point being, I think that Arkansas, they're in such a precarious position right now that it's almost like a blowout would – a blowout would change so many things for them because, you know, they almost beat AM. We talked about it last week. They almost beat AM. They were at a position to be, you know, first in the West. Obviously, they're playing Bama, so that doesn't mean anything, but they were in a position to be first in the West with a field goal, you know, did the single doink straight up. And so now you're in a position where it's like, hey, we can lose this game close to Bama and still sell that we're a top, we're a top team in the SEC. That's fine. What we can't do is lose that weird game to AM then get blown out by Bama and then have the rest of the SEC West schedule. 
So yes. I, I, I think that Arkansas is going to play in a way like they're going to play with their backs against the wall. And I do think as as tough as this is with the trends thing, Arkansas has had a, a competitive game or two against Bama, but they're a team that Saban has figured out pretty much routinely. And so I think that their goal for this one needs to be, hey, like this isn't the Hugh Freeze upset. This isn't like the we're going to like plant our flag in the ground and say we've established. This is the we can hang with Bama. Our past defense isn't what we want it to be. This isn't exactly our year per se. Last year, obviously, like they had Traylon Burks, they had a couple more things, but Sam Pittman is selling hope. He's bringing some guys in. And this is a year that like, hey, even in here, we're not exactly where we want to be. We're not a team that rolls over. And I think that's what you're looking for as an Arkansas fan at home, where it's like if we're in a one-score game with Bama, which as you said, guys, it's very possible. It's it very, very possible to have a one-score game with Bama in the fourth quarter, especially at home. Like you want to be in those environments so you can recruit. Like Sam Pittman said, it's for recruits. That's what this game is for. Is. And last year to have that game in Tuscaloosa where, mm-hmm. look, everybody points to the Traylon Burks play and he runs away from the Bama defense and all that stuff. And it kind of covered up. Well, KJ, I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. I thought he was awesome that day. And I, I've said it. I thought KJ's two best games were in losses. And that was the day where you realized, okay, because you had the Georgia game that Arkansas played early on where they didn't belong on that field that day. Right. They didn't. And to have that response like they did against Bama, that was the moment where Arkansas fans are like, oh, this changes kind of our our ceiling of what we initially thought our program was. Everybody uses Alabama as the measuring stick. How far away mm-hmm. are you? How far away are you? And understandably so. So if you come out this year and you get waxed and it's bad, and all of a sudden that that changes just a little bit of what you think the trajectory for your program is, especially when you know that atmosphere is going to be great. And you have these Mm -hmm. numbers here of these instances in which Alabama has really struggled to close the door and they have played with fire. That would, I agree, have a little bit of that tweak in mindset of, all right, where where do we go from here? Because that that deflating loss to Alabama just kind of changes you. But if Arkansas is going to have a chance in this one, KJ's got to be brilliant. He's got to be 2021 Ole Miss. It's, mm-hmm. It is as simple as that for me. We saw in this game what he could do as a thrower. Shout out to David Pollock, who still isn't sold on KJ as a passer. Um, we saw, That's not their problem. Yeah, again, KJ as a passer is not their problem. It is one bad fumble and pass defense. Yes. <laughs> him yes. as a passer is so low because that's the one of the best things they got going for him, I would argue. Yeah, so that that's that's the, the big question. I hope this one is competitive because everybody knows, like, you know, Seeing Alabama fighting for its life late in the game is is great entertainment. And Alabama fans would disagree with that, but the rest of the college football world loves to see Alabama in these spots. I think Alabama fans, I mean, I could, it depends on the fan, obviously, but I feel like Alabama fans have seen so many blowouts. Like, they kind of enjoy those games. No, I think it's no, just, they don't. You no, don't think don't. so? No, they don't. No. Uh, no. <laughs> when you listen to Fine Bomb on Monday, and that's not Alabama fans. That's not all. No, Alabama I know. Fans, but... For me personally, when I root for a really good team, like, I, again, I got to go back to 2019 LSU because that's a good team I root for. Sick but, like, rag. I enjoyed yeah. the heck out of the Auburn game. I thought that was a great game. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, the, these are the most fun games when you really see what your team is about. And especially in the postseason, these are the experiences that you – Rely on, and like I said, I think Gibbs is such a great addition for this style of game. Yeah, I think this, they, is, this is huge yeah. for him. Yeah, I, and look, we talked about Jason McClellan, the involvement that he had in the offense. I kind of wonder if Bill O'Brien was saving saving a little bit of Jameer Gibbs for this one. <laughs> Want to yeah. empty the tank in a game like this? Okay, uh, another great SEC West matchup. Really looking forward to this one. Number seventeen, Texas A and M traveling to face Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a four point favorite. 
the over-under I have, six Evan Stewart catches. Mm-hmm. You got the unfortunate news. I think it was early, it was like late in the day, Sunday. Our guy Billy Lucci over there at Texas reported that Anaya Smith is out for the year with the broken leg. AM confirmed that news. Bummer because we've talked about Anaya Smith a lot in this podcast. Such a fun guy when he gets the ball in mm-hmm. space. He was their clear go-to receiver. If you but you not- know what that means, Connor. It is new buddy for Max Johnson season. Exactly. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> and this is, that's why I bring up Evan Stewart here. If you're kind of wondering to yourself, why is AM an underdog coming off consecutive wins against top 15 teams? The receiver depth is why. And I should say teams that were ranked in the top 15 at the time, because we know that Miami ain't a top 15 team. All right. Let's, mm-hmm. let's be honest with that one. So let, let's get back to the over under with Evan Stewart. Five star true freshman receiver for AM. He is going to be asked to do a lot now, which as talented as he is, that is daunting on multiple fronts. In the immediate future, I'd assume that he's going to see a whole lot of Emmanuel Forbes in this game, who is one of the more underrated corners in the country. Forbes almost always lines up on the outside, and Stewart basically an every down outside receiver, even though he's sub six feet, true freshman. You don't see that a whole lot in the SEC. We saw someone like fellow five-star true freshman Luther Burden struggle against press coverage against a bigger, more physical veteran corner in Nehemiah Pritchett. I wonder how Stewart fares in that matchup, and I wonder how he fares the rest of the way, knowing that since Jimbo became a head coach, he has never had a true freshman hit 600 receiving yards, and the most yards we've seen a true freshman receiver, again, receiver, at AM hit was Anaya Smith when he had 248 receiving yards as a true freshman. All right. Listen, you got to earn your place, buddy. Look, you got to cover. You got to. You got to be humble. You got to carry some water for the boys in Jimbo's offense. All right. You can't just come out there as a hot shot freshman, start getting all these touches. You got to earn that place. All right. Evan Stewart's going to get more than that. He, he will get more than that. I'm not saying he's <laughs> yeah, now, now there is no there is no carrying water. He needs yes. to get the ball. He's getting the ball. He's he's out there. He is running routes. There's no doubt about it. Go figure that. If Smith's injury, um, Smith Smith's injury is kind of what opens the door now for Stewart into a more prominent role, a much more prominent role. It, it's not really a positional thing because we know that Smith was a slot guy. Stewart plays on the outside, but will Max Johns? His number one tendency as a quarterback is what? He's got a buddy. He's got a buddy. He's got a best friend. And look, in some ways, that could actually help Stewart if he's force-fed those targets because he's not really a separation guy yet as a route runner. He can jump out of the gym, extremely dynamic in space, perhaps a bit like Keishon Booty. A bit. I think in an ideal world, Evan Stewart is Johnson's new booty. What is that now? Sorry. Mr. New Booty. Yep. Just walked right into that one. <laughs> Couldn't resist. He found him. Mr. New Booty. Here he, he is. It's fitting that on the podcast that we have RG3, that that subject comes up, of course. In this world, though, that's going to be a massive challenge because of the scheme and all of those tough matchups that Evan Stewart is going to draw with how thin AM is at receiver. AM's active leader in career receiving yards is Chase Lane. Lane has 44 career catches, 572 yards, but he has three catches for 31 yards this year, and his last touchdown was two years ago. And by the way, when Stewart returned last week against Arkansas, Chase Lane played 10 snaps. So besides that, Devon Aching, a running back, he has 38 career catches for 429 yards, three receiving scores. Aching's your every down back. He's not your go-to receiver. You don't want him pass blocking. 
That's not ideal. Listen, he's <laughs> that whole like all around player thing. I think you was taking that a little bit too literally. He's like, yeah, no, we got we'll put him on special teams. Like, no, 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 no. We we need like twenty good snaps out of him. Stop using him for all this extra stuff. Yes, yeah. And look, Devon A. Chain, I, I I've banged the drum for a while. Give him twenty carries a game. Do not do not just tell yourself, oh, because he's unbelievable with that straight line speed that he deserves less work. No, 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 no. Feed 100%, him the run. Yeah. And and the the next closest A and M running back in terms of carries is like six carries. So I'll credit Jimbo for that because he right. recognized Devon A. Chain's a cut above. I want to hear all this oh, crap yeah. about AM's backfield and how they're gonna get all these different guys involved. No, just give Devon A. Chain the football. All right. That's what you need to be able to do if you're Jimbo Fisher. This is going to be difficult for Max Johnson to navigate. On the road, facing a Mississippi State team who, in my opinion, has had one bad quarter of football this year. One bad quarter. And as a result, that's why they're not ranked. And that bad quarter was real <laughs> bad against LSU. Last year, Max Johnson looked great in this game against Mississippi State. He also had entirely different surroundings at LSU, mainly because he had booty. Mm-hmm. Looking like an All-American. That helps. That really helps. I'm picking Mississippi State to win and cover, but I'll say this. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause, a little bit of pause, DJ Durkin faced Will Rogers in the Egg Bowl last year when Rogers was rolling. I mean, he was at a different level in November going into the Egg Bowl. And he had Rogers confused almost that entire game. I don't know how much of that is scheme. I don't know how much of that is because Ole Miss had a lot of veterans on that defense, but they they had him kind of perplexed. And I know Mississippi State had the three drops in the red zone on that one drive in the Egg Bowl, but I still thought Ole Miss kind of put the clamps on the air raid that day. I think that Durkin will try to see how his young defensive line matches up against the MSU tackles, which were roasted in that game against LSU late. And if Mm -hmm. necessary, we could see some of those disguise blitzes from the second level that I always talk about with Antonio Johnson, my guy who was SEC defensive player of the week. Low scoring game, I think. Over under 45 and a half points. (laughs) That's not very much. Uh, It's not very much. I'll go even under that. And I'll say that Mississippi State wins this game 27 to 17. Let me do quick. Yeah, four, 44 points. Yeah, that's under. That counts. <laughs> Gosh, this is this is so funny, man, because it's like, oh. I was, I, okay, I got to stop making fun of AM, but the fact that, like, Mississippi State's the favorite in this game. I just want to make State's sure. State's a four point favorite. Yeah. I know. Like, I just want to make sure. I've seen it. I've heard it. I, I just want to conceptual. After the two ranked wins, which again, Miami, whatever, but Arkansas, we've decided is a good team. I like Arkansas a lot. This is so funny. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, Vegas is so much more sold on Ole Miss than AM, which is, it's like kind of crazy to think. Of. And I get it. Look, Ole Miss is undefeated. AM had the lost half state, but you, you get what I'm saying here. Some of these things that just, just kind of sit in your mind and you're like, wait a minute. Oh, so there, there are, they're, they're telling you a lot about Mississippi State as well. For, for right. the record, I think Mississippi State being a favorite in Death Valley, being a four point favorite against AM, to me kind of confirms what I feel about Mississippi state is that this is a really good football team. And to be a multi-point favorite in both of these games to start off is, is pretty telling. And I don't think that there are still a lot of people that are of the belief that Mississippi state is this great team, but given what we think A&M in this offense is going to be on the road in Starkville, if this game's in college station, different story. But to me, that's, that's telling. That's really telling. It's so funny, man, because like the exact game plan that LSU ran against Mississippi State, if you gave me like one team that I'm like, I feel like they could pretty much do exactly the same same thing. It's AM. Just sleep through three quarters and then be like, okay, yeah, we got Max Johnson. We're gonna have to figure this out. Their defense, I feel, is 
I mean, I have no idea how to compare these two defenses. I really, truly don't. But I would think their defense is better than LSU's. But, yeah, it's something about this game makes me feel like Mississippi State. I think I think you're right, dude. I think it's the home field, just to be honest. Because I think if that if the LSU-Mississippi State game happens in Starkville, Mississippi State probably scores one more time. Or that the, the first half ending touchdown for LSU doesn't happen. And then that's like a blowout in the second half. So, yeah, I, I feel like I got to go to Mississippi State. It's just watching, like, this offense is so interesting to me, man. I'm sorry. I just I keep thinking about it. And I keep thinking about what it's going to look like against this defense. And you're talking about the Mississippi State offense and what yeah, it's going to look yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, talking, yeah. I, I'm talking about the Mississippi State offense. And then if you think about it, like, A&M's changed defensive coordinators. Like, you can't even really – uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think you gotta. I think the home field is all obviously around three points usually, and that basically makes this game a pick 'em. But because Mississippi State's at home, I, I feel like I gotta ride with Mississippi State just because it, this is one of those exactly what you said earlier. It's like if the spreads were different, I would pick Mississippi State and feel like I was doing something smart. Yeah. But, <laughs> but with the favorite, it's like, what am I? Hold on. So yeah, I, I, I feel like Mississippi State went the close one here. I think that AM hasn't shown that they're consistent enough to do that. But then then again, has Mississippi State. I think it's gonna be a great game. I think we're both kind of saying the same thing. This is gonna be a great game. Yeah, should be a great game. Would be surprised if this was all of a sudden high scoring and both of these offense both of these offenses were just cooking. Because for as great as Will, I, I think Will Rogers has looked at times. I do think that there is some vulnerability there and there could be mm-hmm. some things with DJ Durkin and what he does with that defense that confuses him and at least prevents him from having one of these five touchdown asterisk air raid type of games <laughs> that many people will point to and say, ah, you know, it's the air raid through the ball 55 times. And it's like, ah, if you actually watch Will Rogers and the way that he's working through his reads and the way that he's able to find guys in some coverage, he's allowed to do impressive things. Like he, yep. he's still allowed to be impressive, but yeah, this could be a, a very thrilling down to the wire game. And if Mississippi State loses, this might have to be like, all right, Connor, you need, you need to, you need to wean yourself off the Bulldogs. <laughs> so, time, to, time to sell. Yeah. I will say really quick, you know, there is, like we talked about, there is a game script for Mississippi State. Like, the air raid's hitting. They win by 20 points. It's a walk away. We love to see it. There, what does give me pause, though, is, like I said, Max Johnson in a close game in in a situation where Mississippi State's offense is not working. But I think that that offense is something that is a lot more favorable at home, number one. And I think that there are going to be so many opportunities for them to exploit this defense with the way that AM just kind of can't stay on the field. I I, we've only seen... You know, we haven't really totally seen the Max Johnson experience, but we've seen the Jimbo. Well, we've seen well, the we Jimbo the Max experience. Johnson experience. Yeah, right. Like we've seen the Jimbo experience and we've seen the Max Johnson experience and together they look exactly like we thought. they would. Yes. <laughs> the best way to explain it. So, yeah, I, I do think that if you're a Mississippi State fan and you see this game going into the fourth quarter and it's like a four point game, yeah. you start to get worried. It's all I'm saying. Agreed. Agreed. Let's stay in the SEC West. Tiger Bowl. LSU, eight and a half point favorite against Auburn. The over under I have. 0.5 touchdown receptions by an Auburn receiver. I think it was Maybe. Ryan Brown. Yeah. Uh, why Why 0.5? Why, why one half? I'm pretty sure it was Ryan Brown, my guy over there at uh, the next round, who pointed this out. John Samuel Shanker, tight end. Marquez Hunter, running back. They caught Auburn's only two passing touchdowns through four games this year. Two. Not great. How many Power 5 teams have fewer passing touchdowns than Auburn? Oh, gosh. So there's only two of them. How there's many not this answer. You know the answer. Oh, uh, zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, the answer was Iowa. So basically zero. <laughs> Listen, I had hoped that Iowa figured things out better than that. But, you know, good for them. Good well, for nepotism. You know, 
Good for nepotism. Well, you've had some loud laughs on this podcast. I think that just broke the that broke whatever sort of scale was was on. Was well, I was like, set. I heard something the other day that I was like, oh my gosh, Iowa scored a couple of touchdowns today. I was like, maybe they played some bad team and figured it out. No, no, they're still Iowa. We love Iowa. Yes, of course. I think Coy Moore is uh, going to get into the end zone in this one, and I think he ends the drought. Robbie Ashford seems to really trust him. If as bad as that offensive half was for Auburn, and it was real bad, he started to trust Coy Moore in some of those spots. And I, I think Ashford starts with Finley still day to day with the shoulder injury, and um, yeah, also the fact that he's TJ Finley. So what are we really trying to convince ourselves is going to change? I think Ashford is the guy. Personally, I wouldn't want to start Finley under normal circumstances, much less when my starting center is out for the next two months. That's the case for Auburn without Tate Johnson. As we know with Finley, he is great under duress. <laughs> Not his strong suit. <laughs> if, you, if you have an SEC quarterback that you want to just put a, a, a hodgepodge offensive line in front of, it's TJ Finley. Yes, absolutely. Odds makers are telling you a lot about Auburn. Eight and a half points. Ugh. Eight and a half point underdog Auburn is in this game. I am old enough to remember when the road team never won this matchup, right? Wasn't that long ago. And then Joe Burrow yep. came in and he changed that along with a couple of other things. Now, all signs point to that happening for the third time in five years because last year, Bo Nix did his thing in Death Valley and Auburn won in Death Valley for the first time in the 21st century. I'm assuming that LSU will get their best player on both sides of the ball back in this one. Ojolari dealing with the knee, Booty coming off the birth of his child. I actually think the game plan for LSU needs to be leaning on that ground game because say what you want about all the weaknesses that Auburn has had. Derek Hall can absolutely take over this game and harass Jaden Daniels if you let him. Derek Hall, leader in the clubhouse in the dudes who deserve better category. Yeah. Might, might have to write that column, and uh, he would be at the top of the list right now. I would expect Daniels' throws to be a bit more of the quick-hitting variety. They're going to want to get it out to the edges there, get it in the ball, get get the ball into the hands of your Brian Thomases, and make sure that they have some, some room to be able to operate. Um, I, I love... And if they don't have a few of these looks where booty is coming across on the shallow cross, what are you doing? You need right. to, you need those for him to be able to get him going. I think LSU needs to rely on the ground game. Having said that, I don't think Auburn's offense is going to string a ton of long scoring drives together. And at some point, I think that defense will be gassed. And I can't say that I blame them. LSU has shown a knack for having plenty in the tank in the fourth quarter of these games. I would expect Saturday to be no different. Brian Kelly's got a bunch of fighters. He really has praised his team and their ability to stay in the game in the fourth quarter, even though they've been, for lack of a better word, booty for three quarters. And to be Mr. able to get Brian to Brian Kelly, noted player creditor, player appreciator. <laughs> would never throw his players under the bus. Never, never. I'm taking LSU to win and cover. No Toby Keith game for Brian Harson. We will not see yeah. that. I feel like, have you filled out your paperwork to write off the four hours you spent on the Auburn-Missouri game? I feel like I'm owed money. like a I, I like taxes. Yeah, yeah. I feel um, like there's some government agency I could write that time card off to. <laughs> Just you know it what? It, like we said, though, it was so bad, it was good. I no, did yeah. not. I tuned in for uh, about two or three plays of the rewatch on Sunday night. <laughs> and I thought to myself, no, life's too short. We can't do this. I look at the beer moment where you go, what am I doing right now? Yeah, no, no I think... You know, last year I felt exactly the same way going into this game, which just goes to show how wild this game can be. Um, I told you the story that I watched this game after Brittany's brother's wedding and, and they all went to Auburn and it was just a, a, a hellish experience for a boy. But yeah, I think, uh, honestly, I think at this point, like, I think Booty is 
good, but for whatever reason, he's not on the same page as Jaden Daniels. I hope that Jaden Daniels does enough in this game to just put the game on his back and cruise. We haven't seen that so far from LSU for sure. Um, I, I personally think right now he's the best player on the offense, and I think that the defense played so amazingly in the last couple of weeks. They had a pretty rough half against FSU, but everything since then has been looking like Matt House is one of the best young DCs in the game. And against a team like Auburn, you know, they're one-dimensional. Like, we, we joked about 14 plays, 14 rushes, and a touchdown against Mizzou, and that was their last scoring drive. Yeah. And so, point being, like, I, you would think that you go against a pass-only team, basically, in Mississippi State, um, minus those couple fourth downs, and you go against a rush-only team in Auburn, that someone like Matt House should be able to figure that out pretty easily. Um, on the other side of it, though, like you said, it's like, well, can they get Booty involved? Can they do all this stuff? But, you know, I this team has made me lose a lot of sleep, and and both of these teams have made us watch some very rough football, but I do think LSU pulls this one out and hopefully covers. You know, you could just hope for it. Yeah. <laughs> As for the Harson conversation that many will be having before, after, during this game, whatever you want to say, this is all about optics moving forward. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. If LSU comes in, wins this by three scores – half empty Jordan hair in the fourth quarter, like what we saw with Penn state. Yeah. Harson should head out too, just so that he can start cleaning up his offense, mm-hmm. his office, not his offense that well, yeah, that, that seems like the yeah. bonus sale on that both. one. But yes. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's a specific number to say, Oh yeah, this is what Harson needs in game X to keep his job. It's, right. it's just optics, right? Like it'll be in the eye of the beholder and the crowd reaction will probably be really telling. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, again, I I think this is all about what kind of vibe are you giving off by your team's performance? If your team Mm -hmm. is down 28 and they make it really interesting and all of a sudden it's like a 10 point game with three minutes left, you're like, Oh, we're competitive. We're competitive. You know, that can be very different than you're up 17 in the first half and you lose by 10 because you blew this lead and you had no answers to be able to stop it. Like there, so it's, 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 it's all about how this game what what is the narrative coming off of this game? A game in which look, Auburn's an eight and a half point underdog for a reason, right? They haven't shown you a whole lot to give you faith in them, but um, of course we're going to be talking a lot of Harson, no matter how this game turns out. That's Auburn fans. You might be sick of it. That's reality at this point. Let's I go just to- want to say there is the possibility of the just two fifty passing yard Robbie Ashford day that just again plummets my life into hell. I don't think it will happen, but how how fitting would that be for every conversation we've ever had? Just like, oh no, I was right. Could be. Could be. <laughs> anyway. All right, let's let's finish out here with Georgia and Mizzou. Georgia is a 28-point favorite, the number one team in the country. The over-under I have seven scrimmage touches for Luther Burden. And look, I know that Drink said on Tuesday that he was questionable for this game and he suffered an injury in the second quarter, but um, the guy received four punts in the second half and he was targeted multiple times in the second half. So I don't want to say that he's lying, but it's an awfully convenient thing to say Listen, on a Tuesday. I, if I don't know if someone's healthy, the first thing I do is send them out to catch punts. Right? <laughs> yeah. So take that take that for what it is. And if he wants to say like, oh, he's playing through it. All right. Well, that shouldn't have impacted his involvement then if, you, if he was just trying to play through it. So I, again, I'm not really a believer in that. If you followed this story earlier in the week, you know kind of where I'm going with this. We talked about the five-star true freshman receiver not getting a scrimmage touch against Auburn. And I sort of outlined how, you know, there's context that needs to be had with that. Nehemiah Pritchett 
put him in his place in man coverage led to that tip, that tip pass that ends up being a pick by Derek Hall. There was the other one where, you know, against Louisiana tech where it's a, a ball that he needs to be able to catch two yards past the line of scrimmage on the shallow cross and it's tipped and it's an interception there. So like not all targets, even if they're close to the line of scrimmage are created equal, but you get what I'm saying here. Burden on Monday posted a cryptic message on an IG story saying <laughs> patiently waiting. Love a good cryptic message on an IG story, don't oh, we? Oh, gosh. He deleted all of his pictures and scrubbed oh, them. Oh, yeah. He scrubbed the Mizzou mentions from his Twitter bio. And that's not ideal for anyone, much less when it's your second highest rated recruit in program history coming off a September game of his true freshman season in which he got as many scrimmage touches as you and I combined. <laughs> all right. It's especially not ideal in this new era of NIL and the transfer portal wherein a five-star true freshman receiver can transfer at season's end and go to the highest bidder. Naturally, Mizzou fans freaked out. I would freak out too. <laughs> like Burden did tweet on uh, like 11 o'clock on Monday night saying, Mizzou fans, please don't misunderstand my intentions. I'm always a Tigers. Just be patient. Here we come. Bro, that's my favorite. Just quick side thing about that is like that's my favorite thing. When when when, when recruits or, or players do something that they know is going to upset people, and then they're just like me. What do you? Why are you mad well, at me? It's yeah, like, like you know what you're doing, dog. I, and I get it. We're talking about true freshmen in college. If my social media was going to be deciphered by the masses, I probably yeah. have a lot of questions to answer too. But I've always wanted to ask people in these spots, and you can't because not all 18 year olds are available to be able to talk to the media. And if they are, they're not going to actually answer this question. But if I could, and I'd ask half the NBA who does this every freaking day talking yep. about these stupid social media posts, they're just like, oh, you guys are overreacting to this. Well, why'd you help? Why the hell did you do it in the first place? There was a strategy here, dog. We know why you did break. So, so like when you don't get a touch in a game and your team doesn't score a point in the second half or in overtime and you decide, yes, that is the best time to post a cryptic IG story and scrub mentions of the school in your bio. You tell me, how are we supposed to take that? Help me help you. Because I'd love to know the proper reaction to that and why fans are overreacting and they're freaking out. You know what? I'm going to defend the fans in this spot and realize and, and say, have some self-awareness. I get it. You're young. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to figure things out. You, you've, you've got to have enough people in your corner to be able to say, and I'm trying not to get too preachy here because, again, I admit I'm a flawed human being. I've made plenty of mistakes on social media. But come on. There's got to be some sort of awareness to understand how that's going to be received in that moment. And look, like Mizzou fans, they have angst because they know Burden is out of their league. And in fact, this is very much like the movie. She's out of my league. The only difference is that in this scenario, Mizzou fans are – pretty powerless and they have to sit back and hope that drink doesn't mess up the first five-star recruit he's ever had on his roster as a head coach. Mizzou hasn't had a five-star on the roster since 2018. All right. Like the challenge for drink is that while he can absolutely, he, he just can't have a game like that moving forward. You, you can't have a game like that where you're that bad offensively and you're looking up at the box score and burden doesn't have a scrimmage touch. A five-star recruit also doesn't mean that he's a finished product. And that's, the job of us to be able to understand that like right. burden, burden was responsible for those two turnovers. Like I said, and I've watched him on the deep ball and even Louisiana tech defensive backs can stay with him at this stage of his career. That doesn't mean that they will a few months from now, but at this stage of his career, like that's what we're talking about. And that's why you don't really come into this league and just dominate as a true freshman skill player. It's very, very difficult. So while I agree entirely 
with Mizzou fans that Saturday was a bad look because as RG3 said, Burden didn't even get the wildcat looks. It's not a risk-free situation based on where Burden is at in his career. Having said that, if I'm drink, and that's why we brought up this in the over-under, you had better believe that I am getting him multiple wildcat looks. And I'm telling Brady Cook, target him no matter what. Care if you think he's I have covered. lots of things to sell break. <laughs> yeah, lots of things. Because this is Georgia. Remember that. This is the place where Luther Burden visited and then committed to Mizzou a day later. You need mm-hmm. to be you talk about self-awareness. Have some self-awareness. The worst possible look for Mizzou would be to have Georgia roll in with this suddenly potent passing attack mm-hmm. while Burden watches his team get shut out. And he's barely able to touch the ball on offense all night. I'm not talking about punt returns here. I'm talking about actual scrimmage touches. I don't care what that tweet said. If you're a drink, you cannot let that play out on Saturday night. I think Mizzou gets into double digits, but I think that Georgia wins this one like 42 to 10. And mm-hmm. coming off of what probably was just a hellish week of practice. Can you imagine being a Georgia player <laughs> practice this week? <laughs> God. That, oh, yeah. Man. Oh, Kirby. Oh, man. That probably, probably said some whole lot of bad words. A lot of he bad words. Invented bad words. People had like little thesauruses. They were like, I, that's from the 1200. <laughs> Kirby, where did you just pull this one out of, man? Do you, do you have to look that up before you said that to my face? Goodness gracious. If A.D. Mitchell and maybe Eric Gilbert will wait and see what the travel roster looks like. We know the travel roster has shrunk down. Eric Gilbert's mm-hmm. been mostly just working, conditioning off to the side stuff before the game. Um, I, I expect this offense to look much more crisp than it did against Kent State. And even if the Georgia defense doesn't necessarily look like the group that we saw against Oregon, I still expect Mizzou to continue to lose the turnover battle. Ultimately, Mizzou will drop to 0-3 against Power 5 competition. Georgia will hold on to that number one ranking and have a game that feels uh, relatively similar to what we saw against South Carolina. Um, two things real quick. I just want to say that she had, she's out of my league thing is such a great such a great thing because it's like with burden it's like okay if you're talking to like regular people and you're like oh i'm not gonna text this girl all day i have things to do whatever but it's like if you're with like one of the nba player wives or whatever and you're like you leave them on red or you do something mean to them you look on their ig story it's like oh my gosh she's at like front row at a concert now i've lost yeah. like, that's what that's what i would look for it's like oh no kirby smart's taking pictures with it no no they'll, they'll who's be the guy the point. guy in the movie who's like the the aviation guy who was the ex that he was mm-hmm. worried about the entire time. And he's like freaking out that she's going to yep. end up back with him. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that too. I get why he would freak <laughs> I, out. I get the, yeah, this is the same thing. This is Georgia. I see why you're worried. Anyway, yeah. so speaking of that, uh, we talked a lot about Luther Burden, I know, already. But who do you think is a better day on Saturday? Luther Burden or Lad McConkey? I, I think Lad will have a better day overall because Lad gets to go against the Mizzou defense and Luther Burden gets to go against the George defense. And, and to be 100% honest with you, this stage of their career, and I know Lad McConkey had a very rough Saturday, very right. rough Saturday. This stage of their career, Lad McConkey is capable of doing more over the course of the game. Doesn't mean he's ultimately the more talented right. player, but in terms of the way that he is going to try and impact the game and the way that he's used in Todd Munkin's scheme, the rapport that he has with Stetson Bennett, all these different things, Lad McConkey on a weekly basis is capable of being the more valuable player, at least if we're talking about against SEC competition, a little bit different if we're talking about Abilene Christian. Yeah, he's he's seasoned. Yeah, no, seasoned. I'm, I'm 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 with you. I hope Lad has a bounce back game. But yeah, I think to your point, this is a, a lot of these games. This is like I guess like the first official official All SEC week, and I, I'm seeing these matchups kind of across the board. And it's like, well, there's a lot of like program defining games just in this week because to your point about Mizzou, it's like yeah, it's like 
do we have enough here? And we literally said this. That's the thing that's so funny is like we have these offseason podcasts and we have these thousand foot view conversations about these, you know, Florida, Mizzou, LSU. And we're like, OK, you know, it's going to be kind of rough, but you just got to hang on. And then you're in the hang on period. Yeah. And you're like, this is rough. It's rough. It's <laughs> so really rough. To your point, it's like, yeah, like if this can be like a game where they're a little bit competitive, if you, you feel you feel some pride being a Mizzou fan against UGA, you're in a great spot because they just had that great recruiting class. They're, they have some, and, you know, Cook will not be there forever, hopefully. So brighter days are ahead, but you got to stop the – that's the thing about college football is there's so much momentum. And why these teams like Alabama and now Georgia can stay ahead is they can just – hit people, you know, just wash away what they've built. And so as Mizzou, you got to keep building, you know, I hate to use the Bush Jones term, but brick by brick, you got to just get a little bit better every year, a little bit better every year and hope that Georgia can't just wash it away, cause your coach to get fired, cause a bunch of stuff to start, start from the ground up because that's how these teams stay ahead is they just destroy the last work. So hopefully Mizzou can, you know, represent the program well this weekend. Did not think we would get Butch Jones advice on building the program. <laughs> But here we are. <laughs> Listen, right. man. That one thing about that guy is he liked to talk about building a program. Now, building that's it, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, actually building it. The the, the literal bricks that, that go into it. A <laughs> little bit of a different story. Okay, yeah. let's let's uh let's go to lock of the week. Adrian Martinez cooked me real bad. <laughs> Buddy, did he? Oh my gosh. Double whammy to have Oklahoma go down because not only did I say that they would cover minus 13 and a half, they're one of my preseason playoff teams. So mm-hmm. Still alive, technically, but not ideal to have that September loss for Oklahoma getting to the playoff. I'm going to shift from one playoff team that I had to another. Utah, 10.5-point favorite at home against Oregon State. Oregon mm-hmm. State nearly beat USC last week. Respect Oregon State. Really like the program that they're building there. Defense mm-hmm. is legit. But I think back-to-back, what they're having to deal with, what the Beavs are having to deal with, not easy. Not easy. Scheduling gods, not on Oregon State side to have USC one week and then a trip to Utah. Very different style the next week. Utah is in the top 20 in college football in both pass, both scoring offense and scoring defense. They've kind of been who we thought they were going to be. They just had the bad interception in the end zone against Florida. I'm fully mm-hmm. aware that I'm setting myself up for failure here because with another double whammy, that would be... Utah taking a loss, loss number two, dagger to the playoff hopes. Um, mm-hmm. There's a good chance that I'm kicking myself by day's end because Oregon State beat Utah last year in Corvallis. But I'm gonna put I'm gonna put faith in Utah. All right, I'm gonna put faith in Utah winning that game by two touchdowns. Gosh, famous last words for me. Famous last words. If I lose this, I'll be one and four, and I'll be in full blown fade t- territory. I, I recognize that, like. I, I'm fully aware, but we're still going to be providing value with this segment if we're giving you a mm-hmm. fade every single week. So we're just, just we're just getting me. closer and closer to putting a, a microscope on the Indiana football schedule with these laws. It's like who's Indiana got this weekend? How can they screw it up? They they are might get right. If I lose this one, we're gonna we're gonna be going back to the well in a hurry. What if what if I just only won games in which I was picking against Indiana football this year? That'd be incredible. That's pretty close. Yeah, that, that would be funny. I, I like the meme. I'm in. Yes, yes. Uh, before we kick it to RG3, I want to tell everyone about something that I think is going to become a mainstay in whatever tailgating grill setup that you have. Grill Blazer. They got two awesome revolutionary products. The Grill Gun is the flame-throwing torch that you can use to start your charcoal grill in an instant, which is so much better than struggling to light those coals. Or you can use it to get that sear on your meat. Maybe if you like 
to sous vide your meat. You haven't done that before. That's a really cool thing that you can do now, just like in your kitchen, just sous vide meat. No big deal. Sous vide a steak, cook it to the perfect temperature. But you're like, oh, I still want to be able to get that sear, want to lock in those juices, get the sous vide gun, get that perfect sear on all of your meats. I'm telling you, these things are really, really cool. You're going to bust this out of barbecues and people are going to be like, wow, they know what they're doing. They absolutely do. Unbelievably powerful. So make sure that you read the manual, read the safety instructions, become a master. Go to grillblazer.com where you can get 10% off your order. Go get one if you want to change the game for your grilling experience. All right, here's RG3. I'm not excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Heisman Trophy winner and current ESPN analyst, Robert Griffin III. RG3 is here on behalf of Goodyear. Uh, this actually feeds into a question that I wanted to ask you with what Goodyear is doing. Goodyear is recognizing the road-tested fans and players who venture to a new stadium to take on the challenges of road games each week. So RG3, you were one of the FBS players who Goodyear surveyed to find college football's toughest road environments and intimidating traditions. Tell us about what you're doing with Goodyear and kind of where you stand on that. Yeah, you know, just partnering with Goodyear, talking about this uh, road-tested fans experiment. Um, you know, I'm one of 70 former players that they interviewed. And, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that, like, it's not just the players and the coaches that have to deal uh, with these road environments, but it's also the fans. Uh, you know, for me, like, my family traveled to every single game uh, when I was in college. And uh, traveling to, you know, Texas uh, is a place that, can get a little rowdy, you know, they're, they're in Austin. So it ended up being that the top five schools or places, uh, stadiums that, that came in at, uh, on top was Penn State was number one, LSU, you go to Oregon, Ohio State, and then there was actually a tie, uh, between Michigan and Texas, hmm. which is pretty cool because, uh, you know, for me, uh, Goodyear actually documented that, that Texas road game that we won, uh, in 2010 which, uh, you know, pretty much the first time Baylor had won in Austin in a millennium, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, they're actually going to release that footage in a, a sketch that they did on October 14th on social media. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, I just think that, you know, this is a pretty cool thing to do by Goodyear because fans want to know from the players uh, and maybe some fans just how uh, how those road environments actually feel. Because you know, a lot of people in South Dakota don't get an experience to come down to Texas and see that for themselves. You were just at one of the best road atmospheres in all of college football, Jordan-Hare Stadium. You're an offensive guy. How bad were things for for Auburn with Brian Harson based on what you saw? Oh, Connor, it was uh, it was tough. It was a tough game, and um, you know, it was there was a lot of stuff going on. There was a great defense, right? I mean, I think it might have been five or six sacks uh, on both sides, but. I see that look on your face, and uh, me and you both know there's a difference between great defense and just really bad offense. Uh, and that game was really bad offense on both sides, from Missouri and Auburn. Um, so it was, you know, 87,000 people, and, you know, they weren't cheering a whole lot for the offensive side of the ball. So they got to figure something out there. They've got a lot of quarterback issues. I don't know what was going on with Tank Bigsby, but – I thought they should have gave it to him 40 times uh, if they were going to, but that didn't happen and had to document the game the way that it, that it, that it went down. Did you have anybody at Mizzou or anywhere else reach out in regards to the Luther burden discussion that you guys had on the broadcast about his lack of scrimmage touches in that game? No, they didn't. Um, you know, obviously when you're in the broadcast booth, it's, it's your job to kind of document the game uh, and, and kind of point out the things that, that are going right or the things that are going wrong. 
Luther Burton III, everyone that follows college football knows he's the number one offensive player in the country in the class of 2021. And, uh, you know, in the conversations we had with Eli Drinkwitz, you know, he was going to be a focal point of what they were trying to do. And for whatever reason, he didn't get the targets. He didn't. There was no wildcat package. There were no handoffs to him. Um, so for me, it was just like you have this super talented guy. Uh, if you're going to lean on him at any point in the season, it, it needed to be in your first SEC game. Um, so no one reached out about that. I'm sure they weren't the the happiest about the coverage of it. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to get the ball to your best players, and they didn't. True or false, you were willing to race the Hawk in Seattle, which you barely beat because the Hawk thought the race was over. Um, but <laughs> but you were you were unwilling to race the Eagle at Auburn because it has SEC speed. Uh, that is false on all of those. OK, SEC speed, the Golden Eagle. Now, that that's a fierce looking that's a fierce looking bird, man. Uh, I kind of moved my hand too fast. And he kind of like backed up. I was like, hey, man, I mean, I might need to go back to the booth or something. This guy looks like he's about to attack me. But um, no, I was not afraid. I think the bird saw me. He, he saw me smoke Tame of the, the Seahawk mm. or should I say Tame of the Hawk because there's no such thing as a Seahawk in case anybody was wondering. So uh, I'm not the one that had Tame a uh, handler where he was at. Yeah. So at the end of the day, he didn't run through the line. And you, as you know, in the SEC and all of football, you got to start fast. And you got to finish strong. So I smoked that bird, and, and all birds are on notice right now. How fast is your 40? Is it better than the 441 that you ran at the combine? Yes, it is. Um, I actually, uh, at Rich Eisen's um, Run Rich Run, they reported that as a 448, but that was after they went back and watched it on film. I actually ran a 425 that day. So What? Um Speed is just something that doesn't go away when it's not manufactured in the weight room. So I'm I'm lucky enough and blessed enough to have recovered from everything that's ever happened to me. And uh so I'm still I'm still running. Don't get it twisted. I ran against Tama in a suit. So yeah. that's uh we can we can set this up and make it like a couple weeks in between, but set me up against some of these live animal mascots. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Four three? You getting four three right now? Oh, I can four three right now. Yeah, yeah. Unreal. Um, you tweeted that you thought Hendon Hooker was the runaway Heisman Trophy favorite after what he did against Florida. How realistic do you think his chances are? Um, I think his chances are very simple. If they went out, he wins the Heisman. Because to me, the, I know everyone will say the Heisman is given to the best player on the best team. Um, I, I, I understand why they say that. But Bryce Young earned it last year. He was the best player in the country. Um, you can say Will Anderson should have been there, and I agree with that. But Bryce was the best player in the country. Hendon Hooker in Tennessee. When Tennessee wins, it's because Hendon Hooker plays out of his mind. And yeah. and that's just how, how it goes. So some teams you see can win when their quarterback isn't playing well um, or isn't blowing it out of the water like a Georgia. Now, Stetson, to me, has improved this year drastically. I think he is becoming more the reason that they're they're going to win games. Um, but for Hendon Hooker in Tennessee, it's that simple. He wins out. I mean, they went out. He wins the Heisman, period. If they lose a couple games, then you're going to have to have Georgia lose a game or, or Alabama lose a game for him to actually be in the consideration. And I feel that way because when we won it at Baylor, we lost three games. We just ended up we finished extremely strong. And it's all about when you lose. So 
Uh, I think he has a really strong chance and a really strong case because he's playing really well, and it's not like a, a flash in the pan. He's put it together week after week after week so far. Who in college football reminds you most of you? Because I think Hooker is definitely in that conversation with, I mean, the type of offense that you played in with the Bryles roots and stuff. But is there anybody else that kind of comes to mind in terms of guys that you're like, hey, that guy's got a lot of RG3 in him? Oh, man. I would say uh, on two fronts, one, would I'd, I'd stick with the Hinton Hooker comparison, not because of the style of play. Yeah, he can throw it and he can run it. And he's developed over his college career the same way that I did. Um, when I came into college, I was, I was a, a bona fide runner. I mean, I was running for like, I ran for 218 yards in one game. So, uh, that's, that's what I did. And I was throwing constantly in the hundreds of yards per game. And then by the time I was a redshirt junior, uh, it was like, Hey, 50 yards rushing, 400 yards passing. So uh, I look at Hendon in that way, but also because of what he's done there at Tennessee, bringing that, that program back, uh, to prominence. Uh, is very similar to 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 what happened at Baylor, and then I'll I'll actually dive into the game that we just saw this that I just called this weekend with Mark Jones and Quinn Kessenick. Um Robbie Ashford. Hmm. Uh, when I was a freshman, I I was like Robbie. I wasn't a I wasn't a one read guy. I was a half read guy, <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's what he is right now. He he drops back and it's like he's out he's out of the pocket, and that's what I was but I was a very dynamic runner and Robbie's a little bigger and stronger than I was when I came in as a freshman, but I was faster. So I got away with a little bit more when I was a freshman than he is right now, but watching him throw the football, I think he definitely has the potential. And if he, and if it Harson's the coach or if he gets with a coach that can really develop him as a passer, like I had with our brows in, in Philip Montgomery, um, who's the head coach at Tulsa, then I think he could turn into something extremely special we just got to give these kids time to develop because how I came into college is definitely not how I left college. And, and maybe college football fans and coaches need to understand that it's that first year, that freshman, retro freshman, that's not the finished product. You got to go in and mold this guy. And I look at Ashford could turn into a guy like Hendon Hooker at hmm. some point in his career if he gets the right coaching. I want to close with uh, some rapid fire with you. Just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Does that work? Yep. All right. First one. Who's the college player you've seen in person this year that you've been most impressed by? Man. Who have I had this year so far? It doesn't far. have to be quarterback either. Yeah. Um, I'll just go with what I just saw. Derek Hall, defensive end. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, pick one of the following phrases to get tattooed to your body. It's an orgy in the end zone, premature <laughs> snapulation, Big Penix energy, them lips is wider than Tyrone Biggums. <laughs> HBO, help a brother out. Zach Wilson was always committed to the Cougars. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'd go with HBO, help a brother out. <laughs> Which one of those got the Disney folks most upset? To be honest, none of them. Oh, none dang. of them. Got I, was protected. I was protected by the uh, the names. If it's in their name, it's free game. <laughs> How much NIL money would you have made? Oh, man. Uh, I honestly think over the course of four years, probably close over $10 million. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, last one for you. What's the best piece of advice that you'd give to Bryce Young? Um, 
I actually talked to Bryce at the Heisman House this year, and uh, my advice to him was don't let people try to tell you the type of quarterback that you should be. Mm. And week one, he had like 300 yards passing, I think, or 200 yards passing. He ran for 100 yards. And I, I thought that was a growth moment for him because he is a very athletic kid and he can run it and throw it. So that my that was my advice to him. Like, don't try to pigeonhole yourself and say, I'm only going to throw from the pocket. I'm only going to do this. Do it the way Lamar Jackson has done it. Go play football. Whatever happens, happens, man. You're super talented. That would be my advice to him. Just keep being yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Love that. RG3, really appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything you've got going on with Goodyear and in the booth, man. Yeah, appreciate you, Connor. God bless. What's my destiny, Mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates full of You never know what you're going to get. RG3 was brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot and winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and win 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props slash over or the, the over-unders. We know we love over-unders on this podcast. We are very big pro over-under guys. Uh, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code STOCASTIC. That's S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C. S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C. At nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out no house advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right. Well, figuring it out disaster prep, some real talk, some real talk today. Um, done a lot of that this week in preparation for Ian, definitely different vibe as a homeowner compared to if you're just living in an apartment or something like that. Uh, first hurricane in the two years that we have lived in this house. So, I mean, we are both prep people. We, mm-hmm. Lauren and I are, I feel pretty good about the precautions we've taken in terms of, you know, moving the yard furniture, moving the plants to the garage, making sure we've got all the batteries, flashlights, radios, propane tanks, non-perishable foods, all that, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we've got Yahtzee as well, which you, you don't need a million board games to get through a disaster when your power goes out. Yes. You just need Yahtzee. That's only it. Yahtzee. Yeah. That's the, that's a, it's definitely S tier for sure. The, the goat of board games. And there's not mm-hmm. a close second in my opinion, but it's just an angsty feeling in general. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of been how I've, you know, when you get family or something like that, you've been in these spots before where you get family reaching out. You're like, ah, how you doing? How's how you going? How's everything going? It looks like it's going to be pretty bad. Like, yeah, I'm just kind of angsty. I, I just, yeah. I find myself walking, you know, like looking outside and looking at every tree within a hundred foot radius of our home. And I'm thinking, Oh, would that take out a window or could that get, could that just fall onto this area of the house? You're looking at what way trees are leaning, or I'm looking at our doors Mm -hmm. in our house thinking, I I wonder if we could get some flooding here. What would we do if we got flooding there? But it's just daunting knowing that if you need something from the store and you're a day out, you're probably just out of luck. 
and stuff is gone walking mm-hmm. through the, the paper towel, toilet paper, all that stuff. And it's gone. There's nothing there. Like there's just only so much you can do and you either lose power or you don't, you can have the backup generator and, and you could do all that and just be like, Oh, I, I did all the work and this is happening right now. So I've got to make the best of it. That's kind of my approach at this point. This is why you have insurance. Or if you live in Florida, this is why all insurance companies hate you and wish that you weren't on their plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were you, you were in Florida for Irma back in 2017, right? Um. Okay. Yes. Wow. I, I've been hit by like every arcade dude. Yes. Gosh, I was yeah. here for that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you remember about Irma? Because that was my first real hurricane experience in Florida. Um, Irma was, Irma honestly wasn't that bad. I was in an apartment for that too. So it was just me and the boys. We were just having a good time for Irma in, in Orlando. But yeah, I've, we talked about this off air a little bit and somehow, dude, so my parents split up in like the early 2000s and my dad moved to Pensacola and my mom stayed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So literally Ivan, Katrina, Rita, there was another Pensacola one. We're like back to back to back to back Dang, to back. Yeah. And somehow I was in all of those locations for all of those storms. You know what you have? Like, you know, you guys, like, you've seen the, the movies with, like, the, the custody battles and everything. My parents were just like, no, this is my weekend. I'm keeping it myself. I was just in hurricanes or whatever. But I had a really good time with my mom for her, for Katrina and Rita. And she was really good and and basically was, like, super stocked up. And my mom was like, uh, there's a story from uh, when our power went out for Katrina. So just quick, quick Katrina story, and then we'll get back to it. But I was in Baton Rouge for Katrina. Um, our house, luckily like kind of sits on like there are like five hills total in louisiana but one of them is where our house is but we're on five acres of land so i just remember being little and watching literally the water just rise all the way around our house gosh and i was like this can't be good my mom was like nah don't worry about it like positive thinking like da da da. and we were eating pop tarts we're having a good old time and i just remember the water like we walked outside for the eye and i was like oh it's over my mom was like no 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 we can walk out we can go see but yeah like Point being, so being kind of like born into hurricanes, that was like what we were talking about a little bit off air is like, I don't think it'll, you know, knock on wood, you always knock on wood, but that was a harrowing time for hurricanes in America. And that kind of like taught me, it's exactly what you were talking about, bro. You have your prep, you have your stuff, you know, that you keep on hand. And we had a good comment about that. You have your stuff you keep on hand, you have your stuff that you can change. And then you have your stuff that you're just like, hey, yeah. A hurricane's like one giant RPO. It's like you're sitting there, you're waiting, you're reading the defense, and you got to know when to make that decision. You got to know when to say, hey, like like to your point, do we need to grab some sandbags? Do we need to fill this up? Do we need to board windows? And and when you make a decision, it's got to be like, here's the reasoning. We're doing this. We're not like, especially with a smaller family unit, it's like, hey, here's what we're doing. We can discuss it for two minutes, but we got to go. And it's And outside of that, whenever I always say like, did you do your best? And it's like, if you did your best, if you felt like you were, you were in the moment, you, 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 you went with your gut and you made the smart decision, you got nothing to feel bad about. So a lot of it really, it just is appreciating that these things can move on a dime as big as they are. And they can, you know, they can be scary. And so you can make great decisions with the info that you have and then have it be a bad decision and not be your fault. But it's all just about knowing in that moment to just be calm, to just read everything and not panic. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, we joked about it. It's like the upside is the weather. The downside is the weather in the south, in the southeast. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I used to be one of those people that, where if you turned on the news or something like that, and you see the mandatory evacuations, and you're like, oh my gosh, like how could how could somebody stay in their home during a time like this? Like, why why mm-hmm. why are we, why are you not just fleeing as as fast as possible? 
And, you know, there's, there's a part of me that, that kind of gets the, the people who want to hunker down even more. And I've got, I've got family who are, who are down, you know, by, by the coast who are, mm-hmm. are, are riding this out and they're, they're hunkering down and, and, um, you, you kind of are reminded there's a different sense of pride that you have with your home and to troubleshoot those potential issues if something comes up mm-hmm. and also evacuating doesn't necessarily mean you're getting to safety and it doesn't always mean that, Oh, the roads are perfectly clear and you're just going to go as far North as possible or whatever to avoid this one. It's like, gosh, the entire state of Florida looks like it's getting hit evacuate to, to Georgia. I I guess like everybody's still going to be hit by this at some point, but I just like, I, I have now, I feel like a little bit of a different perspective as a homeowner and the pride that you take with wanting to make sure that nothing happens. Like, mm-hmm. You, you want to be able to be in that spot where you feel like you did everything you could. Like you said, there's only so much you can do, mm-hmm. but I still want to, I find myself wanting to kind of see through, all right, we, we handled this the way that we could have. And I don't want to come back to a home. That's just like, yep. you know, ripped to shreds or something like that. We're, we're in a different spot in Orlando because of how far inland we are. So it's different than somebody that's down in Fort Myers. You know, I have a cousin that lives in Cape Coral and I'm like, like, Oh man, like this is, this is a different kind of time and a different kind of experience for you. And going through Irma, we went with that quick, quick story. So back when that happened, 2017, um, like sleeping in the closet, praying that a tree mm-hmm. doesn't detro- destroy our bedroom type of thing. Um, two days without power. Mm-hmm. I remember we went to Dustin Judy's house in Windermere. Um, yeah. they, they were one, they, they were able to get their power back up pretty quickly. We just had to get some work done. Had to get some work done. Like, need to be able <laughs> Listen, to do this. Deadlines. Yeah, got that C right Slack notification. Hey, so I know things are hard, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, hey, look, I want to be a good employee. I want to. Yeah. I want to try and help. And and to be honest with you, at when when that second day without power hits, you're just like, I'm bored. I want something to do. Just I, I don't care if this isn't ideal circumstances. I'd like to be able to just put my mind in somewhere else. And then hey, maybe we'll come back and our power will be back on. That didn't happen that day. It happened later that night. But you get what I'm saying. Um. So. Long two days. We were fortunate to get our power back within 48 hours. Like that, that worked out well. We, so that next day, that second day, it was sunny and 95 degrees. Terrible. Mm-hmm. By the time that night two rolled around, we were so desperate to eat anything that just wasn't lukewarm soup that we just went <laughs> driving around looking for any restaurant that was open, any restaurant. Mm-hmm. And bless their hearts, we pull up to a Domino's. Oh, yeah. They're doing walk-in $5 pizzas. I think it was a maximum of two pizzas that you can get. Yeah. Best five bucks we've ever spent, man. Mm-hmm. Best pizza of our lives, maybe. It was that good. And it just hit in a different way. But I'll, I always like to, to remember that story. I, I would prefer to not have to relive Irma because above all else, I just want our house to stay in one piece, avoid any significant flooding. If we do lose power, just give me power back by Saturday morning. Like, you know, it's, that's all <laughs> I'd like just, to be able to just be dialed into your phone, trying to stream all the games. Right. Um, I, I will say one more thing really quick. Uh, so the thing about your house too, every house is unique. You made a really good point about that. So for our house in Louisiana, it was surrounded by trees and we knew like we had named the trees that were like, this one could come down, this would come down. Yep. So you got to be aware of like your situation, you know what I'm saying? And, and no, you know, it, you obviously are like, it's like, okay. It, people that that don't that aren't aware of those things are the ones that get surprised. But if you just kind of check those things, and I, and I will say, um, <laughs> very fun story about Katrina. I don't think I've ever told you this story. So, uh, our power was up for a long time for Katrina, and my mom. This is the most Louisiana story I think I could possibly tell you. Were you so, without power for like for like a week? Yeah, 
Um, so, oh, dude, I've been without power. I wasn't without power last summer for like five days. And I've been without power a lot of my life for whatever Jeez, reason. But man. yeah. But anyway, so we uh, we were without power for like, you know, and obviously New Orleans didn't get power for like a month. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So we were we were among the luckiest people in Louisiana and we had trees come down. We had stuff at our house. We had like some, you know, we actually lost our dog um, in that storm. But we we, we were a lot luckier than a lot of people. But point being. The funny part of the story is, you know, there, there's a power grid. So they're going down the streets. So we're going to do this street. We're going to do this street. My mom, gas stove, makes a bunch of gumbo. Okay, boom. Love it. Puts a big old pot of gumbo in her Let's car. Let's go. Figures out where the power grid starts. Goes to that first street. Says, hey, but literally finds a worker. Hey, I know y'all are hungry. Y'all want some gumbo? Smart. And they, and they, and they said, oh, my gosh. Like, we were working for days. Like, da, 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 my mom goes, well, look, this gumbo is going to be at this address. And when our power comes on, y'all can have some gumbo. All yeah. right. I'm going to come take it with me and I'll see y'all later today. Okay. Now, these big old hungry Cajuns, I don't know how many streets they skipped. <laughs> but our street and all of our neighbors were like, what just happened? Not, nobody but us. And they were just like out there eating their gumbo. <laughs> just like, That's mom, how you get stuff done. Yeah. That was some medieval times work by my mom. Really, she's the goat for that. <laughs> That's you gotta be you gotta be smart in these spots. If if you're if you're that person who is who is good at troubleshooting and you're mm-hmm. just calm, cool, collected in these spots, that that is that is a foxhole human being to have yep. in your court. Your mom. Foxhole human being, exactly mm-hmm. the type of person that you want to be going through something like this. Okay, we asked the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group just two questions. Two questions: best hacks for dealing with disaster prep, and what is your worst natural disaster horror story? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of good responses here. Let's start with this one from from our guy Drew Page. Drew says, "Living in Kentucky, we deal with tornadoes year round. The worst disaster horror story was when I was younger. A tornado ripped through my hometown and tore the roof off Walmart. Oh no, that's that would be traumatizing because when you see some of the some of the just the carnage of of these disasters that just rip through these small towns, and I know." Eastern Kentucky has especially been dealing with a lot. And you see some of the the ways these these towns are impacted. I remember when I was living in Nebraska and I would see tornadoes that would rip through mm-hmm. some of these small towns. You're just like, it's one thing to see a house down, the roof off a Walmart. That is wild. That that I would remember that for the rest of my life. I, w- I would not be able to get that image out of my head, seeing my hometown Walmart have its roof lifted off. Yeah, as dumb as this house in the southeast, there are only a couple of pillars of things that just never close. It's like Waffle House, Walmart, <laughs> like McDonald's. So when those start going, you're like, oh, yeah. If uh, if the storm got to Walmart, uh, the the storm won. Yeah, they uh, yeah they, they they pulled one over on the on the town in, in that sense. Uh, Michael Dark says this is our first tropical storm since we moved to Savannah. Everyone told me to put canned goods, water, and booze in our hurricane kit. Yes. Uh, he says, Connor, do you remember the big blackout we had in Chicago, Detroit, New York in 2003? We had zero warning. We were without power for about a week. My family was completely unprepared for something of that nature. Now that I have kids, I can't imagine how tough it would be to be without electricity for a prolonged period of time. I don't remember that. I don't know why I don't remember that. I don't know if the suburbs didn't get hit as bad as the the more metro areas, um, mm-hmm. but I, I don't remember that at all. And I... What's crazy is that when you experience something like that as a kid, you remember it forever. I remember mm-hmm. one time when I was like six or seven, the, the color of the sky was just this unbelievable hue of red, orange, tornado is coming. 
And then I don't think a tornado actually hit. And I've been fortunate enough in my life, even living in suburbs of Chicago and living in Nebraska for two and a half years where I have not had those tornado experiences. Actually, worst tornado experience was down here in Orlando. That was a, a few years ago. And that was bizarre to go through and how quickly that picked up. Um, but yeah, when you have no time to prep, that's the worst. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Say what you will about a hurricane. At least you've got those five days of coverage of seeing you can't escape the coverage. You, you cannot. Whereas mm-hmm. a tornado is like, oh buddy, this can happen out of nowhere. And there you just you just gotta react in that moment. But definitely a different, different scenario in terms of prep. Cutter, you've you've now made me realize too, not only have hurricanes followed me, but then I moved to Hoover, Alabama because oh, I was gosh. like, oh, oh boy, can't have hurricanes here at least. And then the Tuscaloosa tornadoes hit. So of course, me and my boys, right. the, the local news team came down like Ron Burgundy, did a little story on them, helped them clean some stuff up. And they were like, this guy's back. <laughs> We've seen him on the news before. <laughs> so yeah, I think one of them just followed me. Jeez, Will. You guys... I just don't just don't come back to Orlando. Just, just yeah, just hey, wherever, hey, I gotta go. I gotta just keep moving until the weather leaves me alone. Yes. Uh Emery Picker. Emery says also prepping for Ian right now in Savannah. We've got a lot of Savannah listeners. Uh bought a generator to run a Traeger and watch football, of course. Um, that sounds like a very Emery <laughs> thing to do. I have 80 plus bottles of whiskey already. That seems excessive. If you're if you go through eight bottles of whiskey during a natural disaster. I think even then I'd question where, where you at? <laughs> 80 plus bottles. You're ready to go. Um, he's got a full he's a, he's, he's a tank man. That's so funny that he's your priorities. You know, you got your, your trigger, your football, your whiskey. That is cool. He's not okay. worried. Good for him. So he's got the full freezer uh, of, of meat ready to smoke. Blackstone with plenty of propane, propane accessories, uh, lifted Jeep. Yeah. We'll drive over dozens of trees that inevitably fall close to the house. He's ready. When you have all that meat, and you got to cook it. Yeah. This, this is a real question. This is a real question because I, I, yeah. I've seen this play out before. We, we don't keep like a, I, I don't just have like, oh, I saw, you know, ground beef was on sale. So I picked up a couple of pounds of that and we're going to, yeah. we'll freeze it. We'll be able to cook it later. The shelf life of after you cook said meat mm-hmm. can't be that long, right? Can't, I mean, can't be, if you, if you cook up 10 pounds of meat or something like that, how quickly do you have to consume 10 pounds of meat is what I'm asking. Uh, okay. So this is classic figuring it out because there's no scientific evidence behind what I'm about to say, but this is my strategy. Okay. Now you've seen online that there's this strategy where you freeze water bottles, right? And you freeze water bottles. And then whenever your power you did dies, that. Yep. you have frozen water bottles in your, okay. So I also paid attention to history class and I remember where they were like, oh, well, you know, when people would have these voyages, they would just kind of salt their meat, put it in some barrels or whatever. So what I would do is I would just cook all my meat, put it in some Tupperware, put it in my freezer that had like the the, the water bottles in there. And I feel like that one could last a couple of weeks. Now, would I tell a doctor that? Would I recommend no. that to someone? No, I don't know. But those are three different little touch points in my mind that lined up for me. Okay. So <laughs> all right. Emery's, Emery's got meat for, for months. He's good. You're good. Nothing, nothing to worry yeah. about there. Jonathan Mason says Easter of 2020, a tornado ripped through my parents' neighborhood. They were okay, but my childhood home was missing half its roof. Um, you mm-hmm. can see a picture of him in his childhood bedroom. That is crazy. Oh my gosh. Uh, had considerable structural damage asking uh, with water damage from the heavy rain. 
Um, we live about five miles away, but the tornado took out most of the electrical grid and we're without power for almost a week. My in-laws also live in, uh, live with my parents, live in my parents' neighborhood, had damage, but not to the extent of my parents house had to be torn down to the foundation rebuilt. And I lived in an extended stay for nearly 15 months during that process, oh, no. which was, took a lot longer because of COVID, um, building supply yeah. issues, all that stuff. I think my dad still misses the free breakfast buffet though. It was humbling <laughs> to see the outpouring of support and help from our friends and strangers alike as the neighborhood cleaned up and rebuilt. Definitely don't want to go through anything like it again, but certainly look forward to paying forward all the kindness to those that do. Man, that's wild. That is absolutely wild. Like, I don't know how you ever... That is a that is a tough thing to 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 move past from an emotional standpoint. Having that attachment, I had a buddy who mm-hmm. his childhood home burned to the ground, burned to the ground, and he was the youngest of of six kids. the 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 emotional like scars that come with something like that, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's something that's in house, like I think that takes a long time. Maybe maybe never truly getting over something like that. Because it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same with a, with a new home in a, in a situation like that when you feel like it was just ripped away from you. So, gosh, that is that is a, quite the experience. And hopefully, nobody is going through anything like that with with Ian. Because that is man, that's something. Jeez. Yeah, that's literally a perfect storm. Because it's just like Easter, like you said, twenty twenty. So you got COVID, building issues, all this different stuff. And like, yeah, I think. Uh, you know, not to not to do whatever, but like in those in those moments, you kind of realize like how lucky you are for some of your stuff. And like to your point about your dad and the free breakfast, it's like when you when you've kind of been through something like that. And like I, I talked about it, man. Like I've had so many scares with storms, had you know trees, all that type of stuff. It's like in those moments, you start to just laugh at the stupidest stuff. You start to see stuff, and you find joy in like little stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 so it's so wild, man. How you can go from one day to you know like you know like we talked about. It's like you have all these tier five issues about your job and all this different stuff and then something like that happens you're like all right we got to worry about safety security so but yeah like i said you know it makes you appreciate things and it makes puts things into perspective of you know what what do you really need to be happy what do you really need for all this different stuff and so yeah it's 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 tough man and whenever you go through storms you know it builds, it builds friendships it builds family members together so it's it's a it's an experience builds gumbo together yeah, I'm sure that was the best. My mom was my mom was in her bag for that gumbo. I'm sure it was the best gumbo of her gumbo in Korea. That's the perfect food to make too. Yeah. It's not like that when you got all that meat. Talk about like whatever you brought up. <laughs> hey, make a gumbo. Figure that one out. All right, yeah. throw, just throw it in the pot. You're good. Yeah. Do what, he, do what he says. I was in Miami for a couple of them. Uh, the last was Irma, I think. Uh, he mm-hmm. says, get a bathtub full of ice. If the storm is bad, keep your food in there as long as you can. If the storm is real bad, it will uh, be a tub full of questionable water to drink and survive. Uh, if it's not bad, then you can uh, then you can party and drink. Uh, what we did nine times <laughs> out of ten. Worst yep. story. Uh, I was in Miami and saw water sprouts all over our water spouts, not sprouts, water spouts all over the water coming towards us. A tornado over water, basically. Didn't think much of it until Chris Pleasance told me this is how sharknadoes are created. Then I didn't think it was so funny. Um, <laughs> but honestly, Miami is so well built after Andrew that there really wasn't much to worry about except flooding. As long as you were maybe three stories up or more, they were more fun than scary. Wow, a city learning from a history of a bad hurricane could not be any of the cities I lived in. 
Gosh, what a concept. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, must be nice. Lauren Jefford says, what are your best hacks? Don't panic. Only buy what you need. Yep, absolutely. Snowpocalypse, Atlanta, 2014. I bet a lot of people mm -hmm. listening to this know what that's about. Uh, mm -hmm. It was my first year teaching and all the schools very abruptly said, we are sending kids home now. Oh, she's read this story before because we did this when we did snow. When yes, we did the snow and figured out. Yes, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we'll read re the story because we got new listeners to the pod. Um, but Lauren says, it was my first year teaching. All the schools very abruptly said, we are sending kids home now. Parents panicked and everyone in Metro Atlanta got on the icy roads at the exact same time. Chaos. <laughs> we ate square school pizza cooked by the teachers in the ovens. We had to go on rescue missions, go get stranded kids on buses that were stuck and sliding down the roads and bring them back to school. It led to a very weirdly similar picture of downtown Atlanta during this time and the walking dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah, see this picture. That's yep. crazy. Holy yep. cow. Yeah. Um, don't don't drive in those spots. That is, snow in Atlanta, natural disaster. Yep. Yep. Qualifies. Definitely. Benny Hanna says, best prep hack for the love of God, don't wait until hurricane season to prep. Very true. A 10,000 watt generator capable of running on propane and a 100 gallon propane tank is a game changer. It is a mm -hmm. large enough generator to completely power most households, including the central AC. Unlike gasoline, propane. All right, he's just selling us propane at this point. Propane um, and propane accessory. Yeah, propane accessory. <laughs> Hank Hill in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this, this is a good hack too. And we were just talking about, Laura and I were just talking about this this morning. He says, if you're a homeowner, you'll probably want to invest in a chainsaw to manage debris and clean up. Battery powered mm -hmm. chainsaws are perfect for infrequent use and are very capable. He's right. And we do need to get a chainsaw. Don't have one. Uh, yep. At the very least, have a gas grill with a side burner to have the ability to prepare food without the availability of electricity. Yep. 100%. Get a chainsaw, kids. No harm. <laughs> unless you have kids in which case lock up that chainsaw battery uh, yeah, but anyway yeah. so so point being uh, he like i read that and i immediately felt like an idiot because last hurricane season i i bought a gas generator and i was like dang this propane thing makes a lot of sense now granted i feel great because i have like this big gas generator that like we'll go get gas but to his point it's like well you can't really store gasoline unless you're like a sit go or something yeah. like it's not really how that works so i do think that it's actually a pretty good note about the propane generator and to, to your point connor it's like you want to get everything off the grid, like your housing grid as much as you can. If you want to grill, if you want to like do just, just don't anything that can be like done in the woods, get some of that in your house. So do you, like, I have the, uh, the Ryobi, not to plug them, but I have the Ryobi stuff. that all uses the same battery. Shout out so, Home yeah, Depot. Yeah. They, they do a really good job. And so like, I have my one or two batteries now, the big 40 volts. And I, you know, my lawnmower, my chainsaw, my, like all of my, all of my, uh, stuff is off the same system so that's super duper helpful when you have stuff like that so actually pretty good pretty good by many out of there uh krista kissinger let's end with this one uh, krista says best prep make sure your alcohol supply is abundance fill the bathtub up with water flush toilet to be able to flush toilets if needed if you do not have a generator you'll probably be grilling out every meat that is in your fridge if you lose power uh, so make sure you have enough propane or charcoal for your grill yep really good tip uh, and she says, I'm from Louisiana and live in Houston. So that's a tough one to pick in terms <laughs> of horror stories. I was stuck out in Houston for, tw I was, yes, stuck out of Houston for 12 days due to Harvey because I was in Nashville the weekend and hit, had to fly to Utah to be able to work that week and then flew to New Orleans for the relocated BYU game in the dome. I remember that. Found someone mm -hmm. driving back to Houston that Sunday to finally get back home. 
Finally, Utah. That ain't close. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how the simplest thing of, oh, just book a flight. No big deal. <laughs> just get on a flight. Times like these, no, no, no. No flights, no flights coming into to the Florida area during a time like this at all. Yeah, yeah. To, and to that point, too, it's like you don't realize how often we rely on this grid. We rely on, like, this connected society that we live in until there's, like, a storm or something. It's like, oh, no, I can't get, like, you know, I can't get groceries delivered. I can't get flights. I can't get, like, this different stuff that you're like, oh, let's just do. Like, most problems could be solved by, like, an app or something. And when it gets, it's like, gotta, yeah, it's like to figure out. Shout out to Krista. Talked about it a little bit, but she invited us to our, our tailgate or to her tailgate last time. Um, but she's super cool. And yeah, Louisiana and Houston is a power combo. As as Jeezy said, she doesn't seen it all. So that is hurricanes. <laughs> you there was like they Houston kind of like it went like I said there, Florida and like you, start, you can even start earlier with Florida with Andrew and everything. But it's like then Houston got hit right after Louisiana when they had like you know Harvey and like some of the stuff that came through there. So yeah, it's a uh, it's been the the Gulf Coast has been through it. We'll just put it that way. Uh, let's do some uh, – my, my lad of the week was just going to be any sort of first responder, anybody helping out with all the damage, hurricanes, and anybody that's going out of their way to to help others. You're the real heroes. We need more of you in this world. Um, hopefully, we're not going to need a ton of people helping out in the neighborhood, but then I'm thinking to myself like, oh, I'm definitely going to have to go to a neighbor's house and borrow a chainsaw because don't have a chainsaw. If we have any sort of tree damage that's on our property because I think mm-hmm. it's your responsibility – if somebody else's tree falls onto your property, which is weird. Yeah. Even if it's not your tree. But, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think of that. Any others for lad of the week or are we good with that? Um, not, not mine feels insignificant, but my lad of the week is going to be Zion. Just very proud of him. He's very he's, <laughs> skinny. He's ready for basketball. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Fun. yeah, just, it's, you know, just, you, you love to see guys, you know, really fall in love with their craft and you know, it's cool to see teams come together. So yeah, I'm just, I'm hopefully, you know, we can get a, not hopefully we will get out of this, you know, weekend and, and I'm excited about the NBA season. I'm excited about the SEC season. Hopefully, you know, everybody stays safe. Don't make any dumb yes. decisions. To Jay Woody's point about partying. Listen, I'm from Louisiana. I love partying. Just make sure get that AccuWeather forecast before you take that yes. first shot. Make sure you are down up to I. And listen, love love it all. I've had I spent lots of hurricane. Like I said, I did a little bit of that with Irma. But just just be whenever you make the commitment to just party it out, and that's good for some people. Just make sure you have the Accu. Make sure you know where that thing is going. But yes, just everybody stay safe. We'll be hearing from you all on Sunday, man. Yeah, you don't want to be seven shots deep when you're having to deal with flooding issues. You don't want that. Yeah. Want yeah. That. Well, maybe that would that would activate my Cajun strength. Maybe. You never know until you that find might. out. That so. might. Hopefully you don't have to find that out. Hopefully. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully nobody listening to this has to go through any extreme situation. But yes, like Will said, stay safe out there. Hopefully you'll get to be able to enjoy some football on Saturday. We will be back on Sunday. I think we're just going to we'll – we weren't going to be talking FCS games anyway, so we'll recap it probably before the Florida game. Everybody's okay with that against Eastern Washington. Yeah. Hopefully that's that's not a big deal. But yes, great slates coming up in the SEC in week five. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to this podcast. Join the Facebook group here named Red on Air with Figuring Out or Bold and Brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.